0: live from the downtown studio the Flames talk post game show starts now
1: sportsnet 960 the fan
2: Let's get our Flames Talk post game show underway following a 6-5 loss on the road in Colorado for the Flames. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast and we kick off tonight's Flames Talk post game show by going back to Ball Arena in Denver and check in with defenseman Dennis Gilbert who had a couple of assists in this game tonight. Dennis, uh, a tough one for the group. How uh, how did you see this one getting away on your group tonight?
3: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's obviously no excuses. Um, we were short right from the get-go on the back end, and I thought, you know, all five of us worked worked really hard. And um, you know, it's unfortunate that we uh, we couldn't hold them off. And I mean, they, they play hard with a lot of speed. So in the third, we got some momentum rolling, and uh, unacceptable from our group. We got to be better at managing those situations and being able to put a stop to that.
2: Dennis, you talk about losing Chris Tanev really early in the game. 15 seconds in, you're down to five defensemen. Just tell us what happens and, and take us through what uh, happens for a blue liner when you have to go into a rotation of five like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's no time to think, right? You're just uh, kind of right into the fire and instincts take over. And, um, you know, you're playing with a different guy every shift, it feels like, a time, So it's just all about having really good communication with guys. Maybe you're not used to playing with all the time but you know in practice we're always gummed around and, and doing different things with different guys so it's a pretty good feel for our group overall.
2: Dennis just uh, one final one I know this one stings and and as you said uh, not acceptable for the group but how how crucial is a short memory you got a huge game in Vegas tomorrow night?
3: Yeah I mean you got to turn the page immediately there was there was some good things we did um for sure in the game and especially the first 40 minutes. So take take the positives, spend the page, get some recovery in, make sure you're hydrated, getting some rest, and be ready to go tomorrow.
2: Dennis, really appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Good luck tomorrow in Vegas. Yep. Thank you. That is Dennis Gilbert, post game from Ball Arena in Denver, where the Flames cough one up in the third period was 5-3 Calgary after 40. The final score 6-5 Colorado. A span of four minutes and 10 seconds from 11:20 of the third period when the Avalanche got a very fortuitous pinball bounce to get back within one. Then just over two minutes later, Miko Rantanen snaps a nine-game goalless drought to tie the game, and then uh, just kind of. Um, just a, a stretch of error is Mackenzie Weger bad pinch. Noah Hannafin doesn't see McKinnon sneak behind him. Nechushkin with a perfect pass and McKinnon on the breakaway with the game winner at 6-5 is your final score. Our Flames Flamestock postgame show is underway. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pat Steinberg with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills here. Uh, the phone lines are open at 403 240 Text lines open at 960-960. Um, that one definitely stings, uh, uh, Mick, the Flames had themselves a 5-3 lead, they felt good about that 5-3 lead, and then all of a sudden, look, we know how much offensive firepower exists on that Avalanche lineup, uh, and they exerted it, but that uh, that, is, that is not the way the Flames wanted to kick off a road trip tonight.
4: Yeah, and I'll go back to what I talked about on the pregame show, and just that they have found a way to score first in a few games in a row now, but it's finding a way to play as close to 60 minutes as you can and finding ways to hold leads like that's something that this team has struggled with all season long is playing well and finding ways to hold on to games when they do get up obviously with this group it's offense by committee is how they're going to win hockey games and so goals are you could say harder to come by in the sense that they don't have those elite goal scorers that you know are going to be able to step up and score it they really have to to work for their chances check for their chances and create opportunities and you could say it's it's harder for them to also capitalize when they do get opportunities because they don't have that elite skill and elite talent so I think you know the biggest lesson coming out of this one would be to you know as Dennis Gilbert said they were happy with the first 40 minutes of the game but to find a way to hang on in those games no matter how tired they were there's no doubt that losing Chris Tanev hurt them big time uh, and you could see the fatigue start to set in on the back end uh, towards the end of the game there but to find a way to hold leads and and to win games in those situations.
5: Yeah, if Chris Tanev doesn't get hurt and the Flames have a two-goal lead in the third period, they probably find a way to pick up two points tonight, but that's not how things happened. You lose your best defensive defenseman 15 seconds into the hockey game. You're down to five. Pairings are all over the place, and you're playing against an Avalanche team that had one win in their last six games, but to your point, Megan, has uh, elite players and a lot of offensive firepower both up front and and on the back end with guys like Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram, even without Sam Gerrard right now. But, you know, they leaned on their their top players in the third period when they were down two goals and then one goal, and then the game was even. And you look at uh, their first line of uh, Nathan McKinnon, Valerie Nachushian, and Miko Ratnan. Those three guys played over 78 minutes tonight. Yep. I mean, that is absurd. Mm-hmm. But when you're a team that has super high-end players and you're down by a couple of goals that's what you're going to do you're going to ask them to to put the team on their back and and try to get you back in the hockey game and that's exactly what uh, those three guys did and I feel for the Flames tonight uh, y- you lose one of your best players in Chris Tanev and again our, our thoughts are with him hopefully he's okay yeah. it didn't look great and the fact that he didn't come back Uh, knowing what a warrior he he is probably not a great sign for tomorrow's game against the golden knights but hopefully it's more of a short-term thing than a long-term thing and you know the avalanche uh, looked like a desperate team in the third period and uh I think it just became too much for the Flames down to five defensemen and playing against one of the top teams in the league in that situation.
2: Well, our marquee matchup tonight brought to you by Country Hills, Toyota, Willsey was, was the opportunity. Like, It's a very difficult road trip. Three games in four nights with travel and, and you know pretty significant travel. Denver to Vegas is not a hop, skip, and no. a jump. Vegas to Minnesota definitely isn't. And you got three and four. It would have been huge to close this one out to start the road trip on the right note.
5: It would have been. And uh, Uh, I can tell you this, that there are a handful of arenas in the NHL where when the home team gets going, the crowd gets behind them to such a a great extent that it's just like pouring fuel on a fire. Mm Mm-hmm unfortunately for the flames t-mobile arena in las vegas is one of those places and i can tell you that ball arena in denver is another one of those places once their fans get into the game and once they start feeling it and the players start feeling it they just come at you in waves tidal waves so it's going to be a tough turnaround uh you've got a fresh goaltender in dustin wolf who might have to do cartwheels in his crease uh, to give the flames a chance but hey Uh, They've played really well the last two seasons against the defending Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights. Uh, They'll be warm (laughs) when tomorrow night's game starts, so hopefully they can get a lead and play with a lead. It hasn't worked out for them in the last couple of games, but that will be the recipe for success for this team. And all you can do is try to to turn the page and uh, play a full 60 minutes or closer to a full 60 minutes tomorrow. But even if you do that, there's no guarantee you're going to beat the top team in the league last season and again this season, but... uh, the, the, the Flames, in my opinion, have played their best hockey against the best teams in the league. So if fatigue isn't a huge factor tomorrow, I, I like their chances to give the, the Golden Knights a good game.
4: Well, you must have been reading my mind that or we're just really starting to get on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that they're the Flames have shown that they're the type of team that they elevate their game against better teams. I mean, we saw that against the Avalanche tonight. The Avalanche are they're an excellent team and the flames they they bring their play up to the level of those top teams so there's no doubt that they can they can play a really solid game against the vegas golden knights tomorrow night and you know just thinking of back-to-backs as a player they're weird sometimes in that you can play you know two games in less than 24 hours and sometimes you know you actually feel better in the second of those back-to-back games I know that's something uh that I've mentioned in in their previous back-to-backs earlier this season so you know you never know in terms of physically and physiologically I I don't know how that makes sense but you know they could end up feeling just fine tomorrow night
5: well the other thing I wonder about is how the Flames are feeling Mm health-wise. Because in Saturday's game against the Devils, I was told pregame by someone who would know that about half the team had flu-like symptoms. And some guys couldn't play because of it. Other guys
2: played through it. But Pat, I wonder if if that was a factor for the Flames as well tonight. I was told they're feeling a little like a, a lot better today, but yeah, like they were had like it was from from the way it was described to me, like there were multiple guys that were super under the weather that yeah. played through it on Saturday. So uh, sounds like it was a little better in this one tonight. But again, you, you take you take that and then you tack on no Chris Tanev for yeah. basically the entire game, and yeah, it's a that's a uh, trough that's a that's a tough road to haul and, and that's, Mick, That's uh, before we get to the hardest working flame, That that's going to be a really important thing to watch. You know, it was a weird play. Uh, Colton hard on the forecheck. Tanev kind of turned last second, and he took a wallop. His head went hard off the end glass, and, you know, we're no doctors, but I think we can at least safely say it was an upper body injury. You just hope that, he isn't out long-term because we know how important Chris Tanev is to this team's success.
4: Yeah, and you could could tell right after he took the hit as well, like his hands kind of went up to his head and that, you know, you could tell it, it impacted him right away. But you also saw kind of, you know, his shoulder looked like that went in a little bit awkwardly as well. So it's tough to say, you know, exactly what it was, but... You know, he's the type of guy that we talked a lot about him in the sense that he'll do anything for his team and he'll put himself in any situation. Um, You know, Brian Huska said maybe a little bit too much sometimes Mm -hmm. for the betterment of his team. But then, you know, what I thought was really neat to see was when he left the game, just the other defensemen in terms of the amount of shots that they were blocking and the... You know, desperation that were pl- they were playing with in terms of trying to make plays to keep the puck out of the back of their net. So, the way that they stepped up and t- sort of tried to play like Chris Tanev, yeah. like a little bit in that sense. So, you know, definitely a guy that, you know, they missed that they would miss if he was going to be out of the lineup. But, you know, the way that he plays, just how inspiring he is for his teammates.
5: Well, when any player leaves a game and doesn't return, that's a red flag. But what it is Chris Tanev? Yeah. That is a yeah. Yeah, gigantic you know red yeah. flag because remember, that guy played with one arm in that Stanley Cup playoff series against the Oilers a couple yeah. of years ago. I mean, he is as tough a player as you will find in the National Hockey League and has been an absolute warrior for this team. So the fact that he didn't come back uh, looks bad. But again, sometimes without knowing what the injury is, uh, guys. Feel terrible one day, wake up the next day and mm-hmm. feel better. Well, yeah. Sometimes it goes the other way as well. So uh, fingers crossed for Chris Tanneb. But uh, it was tough trucking without him. But, Megan, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The job those other five guys did, trying to to fill in for him, it was very admirable.
2: Let's select tonight's hardest working flame Flamesfall fall six, five on the road in Colorado and our hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon plumbing and heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. McWay, which way you uh, leaning for the hardest working flame tonight? I'm gonna go with Nazem Kadri
4: on this one with a goal and an assist, two points. Uh, Also, he had six shots, eight shot attempts. Uh, Wilson, you mentioned he wasn't great in the face-off circle, but uh, he also drew a penalty and just continues to play consistently really well all over the ice. And one thing that doesn't show up on the score sheet is just how well he plays positionally, Uh, mainly in the defensive zone. Obviously, as a former defenseman myself, I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for a centerman who does a really nice job uh, supporting down low and just always being uh, in the right spot in terms of Being there for a a quick outlet pass or support in battles, and consistently, he's done a a really great job of that, and did that as well in this game tonight. So Nazem Kadri gets my vote.
2: Nazem Kadri, your hardest working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Pat, can I offer honorable mention, please? Sure, Dennis Gilbert.
5: Equals his career high with two points, two shots, three attempts, four hits, four blocks, plus three and he played a season high 20 minutes and 26 seconds. I think the whole group of 5 stepped up yep. without Chris Tanev, yep. but maybe him more than anybody else
2: against one of his former teams as well yeah. in the Colorado Avalanche. Yep. Yeah. Um okay, we're going to hear from head coach Ryan Huska in just a second. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line at nine sixty nine sixty. before some final thoughts. Did I cut you off there. Were you going to say were you no. going to say anything? Okay. No, um, I was
4: just going to say that was a a great honorable mention.
2: Um oh, thank you.
4: Could have also could can we do co
2: hardest working players? <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. no rules. There's no yeah. rules yeah. on yeah. this. There really isn't. Um okay, Mick. Uh and Derek, we're gonna hear from head coach Ryan Huskin in just a second, but before that, uh some final thoughts from you two. First of all, welcome back to Mick on the broadcast. Oh thanks. Uh second of all, uh final thoughts wrapping up a stinger on the road in Colorado.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, overall, a good effort by the group. Great, you know, job by the defenseman for stepping up like we just mentioned in Chris Tanev's absence offense by committee which is what the Flames need to do to win hockey games but just need to find a way to to hang on to a lead and something that they're definitely going to have to take away from this one and you know it's interesting over the course of the season how the things that a group needs to work on kind of it shifts from one thing to the next Um, and now it's figuring out a way obviously they've found a way now to score the first goal in two consecutive games and now it's how do you hang on to that lead and get the job done and finish things off but with a quick turnaround to the game tomorrow it's you can't hang on to this one too long as Dennis Gilbert mentioned you really have to turn the page and just try to reset recover as best as you can because you got a, a tough one in the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow night.
5: Pat, as I said on Monday's edition of the Daily Calgary Flames Roundtable on uh, Flames Talk, Mm -hmm. uh, the process has been pretty good since their season-long six-game losing streak. They've played 18 games since then. There have been two or three bad ones. And I wouldn't say that tonight was a bad one in in any way, shape, or form outside of the result. And that's been the problem. The process has been good almost every night. They're not getting results often enough. And... There was some good and there was some bad in this game. I know they had a one nothing lead, but I'm not going to lie. I didn't love the start. Uh, but they did score first. And they've done that in back-to-back games now. But you're up one nothing, and then you're down 2-1. You battle back, you take a 3-2 lead. They tie it, you take a 4-3 lead, and then a 5-3 lead. So again, this team showed some resiliency tonight, which was good to see. Uh, unfortunately... And I'm not sure what the the coach had to say or what the players had to say post-game, and they probably didn't say what I'm about to, but losing your best defensive defenseman 15 seconds into a game against a, a desperate avalanche team that had one win in their last six, that just had a team meeting and felt like they had something to prove yeah. tonight, that was far from ideal. Uh, and being without Chris Tanev, of course, is far from ideal. But even if he hadn't started the game and they had – a sixth defense been dressed from tar- start to finish, it wouldn't have been uh, as taxing or as tough uh, on the other five guys. And uh, unfortunately, uh, a span of four minutes and ten seconds cost this team a point, probably two tonight. Uh, they had a five-three lead, and then three goals in four ten, and five-three uh, turns into six-five for the Avalanche. So, uh, you hope that is okay first and foremost. Uh, I'd be surprised to be played against the Golden Knights tomorrow, but uh, I've seen stranger things. And, and all you can do now is turn the page. I said prior to the start of the road trip that if the Flames could win two out of three or pick up four out of six points, that would be a successful trip and put them in a good spot coming home. They still have an opportunity to do that. Yep.
4: One final thought. Matthew Coronado was a healthy scratch in this game tonight. Martin Pospisil, looking at his ice time, played 5 minutes and 43 Ooh. seconds. So, just heading into tomorrow, I wonder if we see Coronado as well. Just I don't think you fa- have to a wonder. final thought.
5: <laughs> I don't think you have to wonder, Megan.
4: Only thing is... But who comes out? Um, Pospisil, Razichka...
2: One of those two, I would suspect, yeah. Yeah. Only thing is, as soon as Jacob Markstrom is ready to come back, they might have to send Coronado down. And uh, Jacob might – I don't believe Jacob's on the trip right now, but might rejoin them at some point. He's very close, so that's also something to watch, whether it's uh, tomorrow in Vegas or Thursday in Minnesota. Uh, Thank you, friends. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Good night, Pat. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills signing off. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to bring you Ryan Husko right away. Uh, What I have from Denver is – uh, not for audio um, and an audio only format. You can barely hear them. So we'll wait a little bit, get a uh, better Ryan Huska for you in a little. Right now, we do have an opportunity to hear from Nazem Kadri. who had a goal and an assist. Let's get some post game reaction from the number three star and the hardest working flame. Here's Nazem Kadri post game from Denver.
6: Just the level of disappointment when you uh, leave this building without a point, at least a point. I think.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, it sucks, and. Uh... You know, it uh, it was looking pretty good there for a while a couple mental lapses and you know, you can't do that against good teams. I
6: don't know unlucky the fourth goal, but uh, you know what kind of spot did you feel like you were in and maybe until that point what happened after
7: that? Um which fourth the fourth? Their fourth goal. Their fourth goal, who's uh, that? Was that the, goal? Kind of read yeah, broken uh, yeah, okay, stick. Okay in the middle. Stick. Stick. Ross, Russ, uh, yeah. Oh it. yeah, yeah, unlucky. Unlucky. What are you gonna do? I mean we break a stick on a two on one. Yeah. I get a wide open look, uh chance to go up three and Probably seal the game, and, uh, you know, just that's that's hockey. Sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't.
6: Yeah. Uh, you know, saying, like I mentioned, maybe just showing a little bit,
7: maybe too much respect in that third period. Do you feel, feel like that's fair? I don't think so. I mean, uh, we had a lot of great opportunities. We just made some dumb mistakes. I mean, that's really what it came down to. You know, Nate gets a wide open breakaway. Uh, you know, pretty open look. So, uh, you know, when, we're, when the game's tied, Obviously, it's not what we wanted, but you know, the good thing is we got an opportunity for redemption tomorrow. Yeah, how do you reset? How do you yeah, quickly yeah. A turn? Got no choice. We got a good Vegas team in a hostile building, so it's not getting any easier, and we uh, better be ready to play.
2: What did you guys do well in that
7: four-goal second period? Yeah, yeah, I is think Calgary hockey yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, we, uh, you know, for for most stretches in the entire game, I think we were pretty good. Obviously, last ten minutes we let it slip, which uh, is not ideal, but. Um, Scored you know, score five goals tonight, it's, it's tough not to come up with a win.
2: What happened on the, on the Georgia of Was that just
7: a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a loose puck. I mean, uh, you know, I, th- I thought the play was still alive, obviously he managed it too, and I don't know if he thought I was sticking him in the net, but he gave me a pretty good shot with his blocker and uh, tried to give him a shot back, and I missed, and uh, we both got penalties for some reason.
2: There you go. That's Nazem Kadri. some post-game reaction from Denver. We'll track down head coach Ryan Huska in a little bit as well as the Flames cough one up in Colorado, 6-5. A loss after leading 5 3 after 40 minutes of play. Okay, it's Steinberg along with you. Your phone lines are open at 403 240 4444. Text lines open at 960 960. We'll get to your calls and your texts around the corner. It's uh, Flames Talk Post Game on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Pat Steinberg, and we're uh, continuing around the corner. This is your Flames Talk Post Game, and this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
0: The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
2: All right, your final score from Denver, a tough one for the Flames tonight. Uh, After leading 5-3 after 40 minutes of play, Flames cough this one up and lose 6-5. Three unanswered goals from the Avalanche in the third period. 6-5 final score. Avalanche improved to 2-0 against the Flames this year. One more game still to come in this season series. We'll hear from Head Coach Ryan Huska in just a second, but right now save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes as Dan Vladar got the start tonight in Denver. He's been historically quite good against the Avalanche and, you know, honestly, I didn't think he had a rough, I didn't think he had a poor game tonight. Just a lot of goals went in on him, uh, but his save of the game comes in period at number two. Here they come, and up the left wing side to Chushkin. Bouncing off the boards back to the left point, McCarr, Fire circle to McKinnon. Right on your
5: side, one-timer by Randon. Stopped by Vladar who slides across his
2: crease from right to left to make his best save of the night. And that is one of the 31 stops made by Dan Vladar tonight. That's his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. And you just think of the Avalanche goals like... Uh, everyone was a breakdown defensively or a really bad bounce. Um, you take a look at the Tatar goal breakdown defensively. McCarr goal breakdown defensively on the PK. Uh, the Myers goal breakdown defensively again. Little puck watching. The Colton goal awful luck. The Rantanen goal pretty bad luck. And then McKinnon on a breakaway. And again. I'm not saying Vladar was outstanding or anything tonight, but I don't know if you point the finger solely at him for this one this evening. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. post game. we have tracked down the head coach of the Flames. His thoughts following a 6-5 loss in Denver.
0: It's tough. I mean, we we had a tough stretch in the third period there where we, we made a mistake with the puck, and they got a lot of momentum from that point. So uh, we weren't able to... I guess, stop the momentum from that point.
6: Did you feel like you were in a good spot until that
0: fourth yeah. goal, their fourth goal? Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, you know, there wasn't a, a ton going on, and um, m- mistakes happen, and sometimes in, the, in those situations, you just want to bail a teammate out.
6: Yeah, well, and I said, you know, break a stick there, that leads to their goal, and then he breaks one on the two-on-one, too. I mean, just yeah. a couple of breaks that maybe played a big role in this game. Uh,
0: it's you, are, you always earn your breaks, yeah. yeah.
6: Uh, what about your D, just five guys, obviously 15 seconds in, and how they managed it tonight?
0: Yeah, it's not ideal. It must be losing a defenseman early like that. But, um, you know, the hard, the hard part in a game like this is you, you score five goals, but you, you can't give up six. So there's mistakes that we made that we have to correct and, and fix in our own zone. There's no doubt about that. Simple plays with the puck got, caused us a lot of problems uh, in regards to the chances against tonight. So we we have to clean those areas up. Those are the biggest ones
6: in terms of uh, the third period too?
0: Well, we, yeah, we gave the puck back to them a lot. You know, our penalty kill, same thing. We gave them uh, a number of times we had pucks on our sticks and we didn't clear it down the ice. Um, and it was the same thing I felt early in the game as it went on. I felt like we got better until that 10-minute stretch in the third, but we can't make it more difficult than ourselves by, by not managing the puck the right way.
6: What, about, uh, what did you see from Dan Valdar here? So I know it's six goals, but he uh, yeah. seemed to really battle. Yeah, the early
0: part he, of this game. he did for sure. He gave us a chance, yeah.
2: There you go. Head coach Ryan Huska postgame from Denver. Flames lose 6-5. Uh, let's get to the text line at nine sixty nine sixty. Phone lines in just a second as well. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Um, okay. On the text line, starting with, excuse me, Scotty in Victoria. Pretty deflating feeling seeing the boys give up three unanswered in the last 10 minutes of the third. I don't understand why they were pinching and just completely fell apart defensively. That's the exact time it would have been smart to lock down the D zone. That being said, I do understand Colorado's an amazing cup contending team. And hey, at least Flames Hockey's exciting to watch again. That Zeri goal batted out of midair was insane. See you tomorrow, Pat. That's from uh, Scotty in Victoria. Um the what what i will say on that one yeah it was just bad timing bad pinch in a 4-4 game or sorry 5-5 game at that point you've already coughed up your two goal lead yeah Weger probably shouldn't, you know, Weger probably doesn't need to pinch there. And Hannafin probably needs to be a little bit more aware of who's on the ice. And you uh, sure don't want number 29 to be the guy behind you in that situation. So, yeah, that's not what you're looking for. Uh, What else we got here at 960-960? Uh, this from Claude, tough night on the scoreboard and with injuries, the Avalanche came strong in the third, and they couldn't match their skill. I imagine Osterley comes in just wish they couldn't uh wish just wish they could have come away with at least a point. Coleman's quietly having a very decent year. yeah Coleman's having a hell of a year and another couple of points in this game tonight um this says. Uh, Losing Tanev was huge, but it's time to sit some vets again. Huberto, Dubé, and Mangiapane are useless, at least Mangiapane. I actually thought Mangiapane had a pretty decent game on that line with Kadri, And, and I think you got the desired effect in some ways anyway with Kadri and, and his play really rubbing off on Manjapani because Kadri was very, very strong, and uh, he was probably the best Flames player on the ice, and he also set up that Manjapani goal that at the time made it 2-2 in the second period. Um, this says, amazing watching Colorado and seeing what having high-end talent in your team can do in key moments. Fluky comeback wins are fun here and there, but at the end of the day, this team is a bad team on paper and in execution. Happy draft pick going back in the right direction direction. Uh, This says from Jeff in Lethbridge, it may be crazy to say, but I like the Flames game tonight, even though six were scored against them. Today's game reminds me of early 80s hockey in a good way. This is a good trend for the league. I think a 900 save percentage is pretty good goaltending this year. Well, this one was definitely um, very much like that. Um, And uh, I I don't know if that would be what Either side was looking for tonight, but uh, it definitely did have that. Like, there is no lead is safe. It definitely had a feel of some early 80s hockey in uh, this game tonight, no doubt about it. Um, this from Ash great game by Gilbert, if you ask me, especially in light of Tanev's injury between McCarr, my favorite non flame in the entire league, and Braden Point. Which Calgarian would you rather have on your team? Finally, while I understand the Flames scored five, very concerning to see no points from Lindholm or Huberdeau. Um On the point, of first of all on the point of who would I rather have on my team it does have to be McCarr, and that is by no means uh an indictment on uh Braden Point but Kale McCarr is like uh Jeff Merrick said it best when he was on with us uh, a couple of weeks ago he he called him if Connor McDavid was a defenseman he'd be Kale McCarr, and that is bang on and He was unbelievable again in this game. Yes, I don't know if the desired effect with putting Zeri up with Lindholm you got. Zeri did get the goal to make it 4-3, but no points for Lindholm in a game like this. I, I understand Ash's point, and I believe that's now five straight games without a point for Jonathan Huberdeau they continue to need more on the score sheet from him. Uh, This from Will in BC. Losing Tanab so early was obviously huge. I thought this was a valiant effort by the Flames with only 5D for the whole game, but with five goals, there's 15 points available and the highest paid player had zero. I don't have an answer for this, but good effort by almost everyone tonight. Imagine what would be possible with an actual top tier player on this team. Um, That comes from Will in BC of course, talking again about Huberdo. This says, I'm just pissed they split up Kadri." and the kids like why I really didn't like Zary with Lindholm Lindholm's clearly checked out and he needs to get the heck out of Calgary for either picks or an NHL ready youngster thoughts I don't know if he needs to get the heck out of town but he has not had as good a season as the Flames were hoping and also it probably does look like a situation where yeah, at some point they are probably going to need to trade Elias Lindholm between now and the trade deadline. Uh, this reads Pat, I like the effort tonight but the Avalanche unfortunately are in a bit of a different league. Uh, question, read the Huberto situation. Since a buyout isn't likely due to the financial implications could the team tell him to go home for the season? I know the downsides are ruining any relationship with him and a pretty powerful agent in Alan Walsh but he's the only player in the last 10 years I can remember who's mailing it in every game. Only other player I can think of is Neil but he wasn't even close to this bad the reason I bring it up is the team's likely going to transition to a younger group over the next few years on on top of just the positive on ice impact of getting him off the ice I couldn't imagine laying it all, all out on the ice like the rest of the boys and then seeing the highest paid player glide around and turn it over uh, every shift I know it's incredibly unlikely to happen but I truly think Absent of a buyout, it would be the best move overall for the organization as they enter a retool or a rebuild. Well, first of all, I I, I will push. Do do they need more from Huberto? Yes, all day, every day, without question. Um, They just do. And especially the last four or five games here. It actually was trending in a better direction for 10 games or so since he was put on that line with Backlund and Coleman. It's taken a bit of a step back offensively. But there's two things. A, this guy is not mailing it in. That that part, like, there's no lack of... At least the way I see it, I don't see this guy lacking care or engagement or... Like, there's no lack of effort, if you ask me. There are just stretches where it doesn't work for him. And because... He is a a player that goes about his offensive business just overall business, not as the heart like as the fastest skater in the league, or not as the flashiest player in the league. He's a very cerebral player when he's at his best. Sometimes that looks like. Um, sometimes that looks like a guy who doesn't have the same type of engagement as as somebody else does, but i i 'll push back. I know for a fact there's no lack of try or caring or effort from Jonathan Huberdo so i 'll push back there and no they 're not going to tell him to go home. I understand that he 's at ten and a half million dollars and he 's on pace for like forty four points or something like that, but they 're not going to tell him to go home, and at ten and a half million dollars. You need more from him all day, every day, but he's still a part of this team, whether that texter likes it or not. Um, this says, tonight's game is an example of what could happen if the Flames trade Tanev. Flames are in the bottom five in the league and goals against now. It could get worse if they don't tighten up defensively. This from Jay and Lethbridge. Patty, that one stings, but I love the resilience the team showed when Tanev went down. Just ran out of gas. Happy to see mangipani's best game by far. On the Merrick show today, Elliot Friedman predicted an increase in checking from behind calls this week. So much for that, The Tanev hit seemed textbook boarding to me. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I I thought it maybe could have been two for boarding. I I honestly did not think it was a dirty play by Colton. It was a bang-bang play that saw Tanev turn at the last moment, and Colton, hard on the four check, finished his check. That's what he does. Um, Could it have been two for boarding? Yes. Do I think it was anything more than that? Objectively, no. As frustrating as it is to see Tanev get hurt like that, it was more of just a bang bang play unfortunate as it was being. I, I didn't think it was dangerous. Uh, sorry, I didn't think it was dirty. I didn't even think it was reckless or dangerous. I just thought it was unfortunate more than anything else. But that's just my opinion. And, um, we'll, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, that, that's just that I, I don't think there'll be any supplementary discipline or anything like that. But uh, that, that's the way I saw it. Um, this from Joel and Cranston. Are they really going to use five defenders as an excuse? Have these guys never dealt with this before as pros? That's a poor excuse. The bottom line is this team has no killer instinct. If you're a rookie and want your first goal, play... Th- if you're a rookie and want your first goal, play the Flames. If you're a new goalie and want confidence, play the Flames. If you're in a slump like Rantanen, play the Flames. That comes from Joel in Cranston. Couple more texts uh, before we hit the phone lines. Lucas in Peace River says: Is the power play struggling? Should the Flames consider trading for Tyson Berry to bring some offensive power to the power play? Um, unless. Nashville is going to give you a sweetener to take Tyson Berry as they're trying to clear out some cap space or, cap or, or make some cap room for themselves. I don't think the Flames should, and I only say that because I don't think they should be giving up assets for anybody right now. Not only should they be looking at trading out players and, and I think looking at moving out there pending unrestricted free agents, I also don't think that they should be adding players for the assets they already have um and uh, finally, this says if you lose a game, that you're up by two goals with 10 minutes left. The universal term term for that, regardless of losing a D-man in the first 15 seconds, is choke. There you go. 96960 on the text line. And let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight at 403-240-4444. Got a few lines open. If you want to chat tonight following a Flames 6-5 loss in Colorado, that was a stinger. My name is Pat Steinberg. This is your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast and uh let's kick it off by saying hello to george what's up george
1: not much patty how are you doing tonight good man good to hear um just to reference that uh, one of the last texas there i'm i i'm trying to figure out how that hit on tana wasn't a penalty either especially since you know all the boarding fiascos happening in the league l- last few days and i you know to reference elliot friedman saying that he thought he we would see a an increase on those calls based on those types of hits. Like I agree with you, that wasn't a you know major, definitely not a suspension. But how that wasn't called at least a two minute penalty is boggles my mind. To be totally honest with you.
2: Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. I'm just uh, I'm just watching it again, um, and and trying to watch it in real time. So Tanev goes in and he see. As Colton, I'm look watching it. Colton, see Tanev turns right at the last second. If Colton, Colton's going is already engaged and thinking that Tanev is not going to turn his back. It would have been a side to side bump and going for a puck battle. Tanev turns at the last second. I'm not even trying to say that Tanev did the wrong thing. It was just a it was just a bang bang play. Tanev went on instinct, was trying to shield the puck. Colton was on the hard and the forecheck. check I, I don't even know. Like maybe two for boarding. Everything... But even then, I, I and, and I'm not trying to say that, um, you know, I'm not trying to be like the anti Flames guy or anything like that. I just, wa- just watching it again, right there, I, I don't know what Colton was supposed to do in that situation, and and I and, and I don't know what Tanev was supposed to do in that situation. It's just an unfortunate play, and I, you hope that Chris is all right. So maybe two for boarding, uh, and I get the frustration that then when Hannafin comes in and jumps Colton, he gets the. Retaliation penalty. I don't know. I, I just didn't see it as as one that needed a whole lot more than two.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And obviously, understatement of the year. But if tanF is lost for any amount of time, like that, will be a significant loss and hindrance to the Flames. And it's it's funny because you see every time he's out of this lineup, uh, this current iteration of the Flames, and even the last few years, it's been like this team is a complete gong show defensively. Like with them, they're not fantastic, but without them. They just seem lost on the ice. It just goes to show, a how how bad defensively they can be, but also how 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 very important he is uh, from a defensive perspective and many other perspectives, of course. But how very important he is. I, to that point, if if and when you do trade this guy, because he's a UFA, and uh, you know, seeing the direction this team is probably going to go in. If for all the people that are team tank like this team's seriously going to lose a lot of games without this guy i really believe that i mean he's that important back there
2: yeah he's huge for him like he's there, there's there's four crucial defensemen on this team and i i don't think there's a whole lot separating anderson tanev Weger, and, and hanafin in terms of their importance to this team
1: yeah and like i said more so keeping the puck out of the net tanev to me is far and away the guy there like you, you like no disrespect to the other three they contribute and they have different skill sets but when it comes to actually defending and keeping the puck out of your net like he's far more important than those, those three and then calgary's had a problem keeping the puck out of their net for it seems like four years here so big loss And hopefully he's okay and uh you know hopefully uh, he does come back sooner rather than later and i don't put i agree with you patty i don't put the loss uh completely on vladar either but like you gotta step up and make a big save or two now and again, especially in the like you've been given the ball here, right? Like you're you're technically the starter right now, you know, for all intent and purposes. You know, wol wolf's your backup. So when you're up five three, like somewhere there you gotta make a save, a big save to keep the team in. I know they made horrible turnovers and I get it. Like more on the defense than the goaltending. But at the same time, like, you know, step up, make one big save, at least try to get a point, you know?
2: Well, and and I'm sure that he would agree with you. Like, I I don't think that he's – I'm I'm sure that he would have loved to. Um, But when it comes down to it, Dan Vladar has kind of proven that he's a number two goalie so far, that he can give you really good games some nights and isn't as good other nights, and that's kind of – what separates being a number one and not being a number one in this league right
1: very true man very true and you know there was a point in time uh where i thought this guy had a potential to be a number one but as it sits right now currently i i agree with you he he is a backup goalie in this league so that's what you get and 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 to go off that i i'm almost positive wolf's going to start tomorrow i don't see why he wouldn't but I actually, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a, a nice run here. I think a he deserves it, and b I'd like to actually see what he can do over a consistent amount of games, like in a row, just to see. Um, part of me scared of that because it's like tomorrow. I have a, a horrible feeling they're going to get lit up in Vegas tomorrow because of you know how back to backs Vegas. It's that that arena is just. Believe me, I've been in that arena. That that is something something else to play in that arena against that team. Uh, and then how good they are, like they they might very well take a spanking tomorrow because they look tired tonight. So I don't know how that one's going to go tomorrow. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see.
2: And the only thing that I'd say on Wolf is that I don't think Markstrom is that far away.
1: Mm, yeah.
2: Well, in any event, I if it,
1: so, you think Markstrom would be back like next couple of games here? Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I have a. I have a. I'm pretty sure we're going to see Wolf tomorrow. So
2: yeah, I. I, th- I, th- I still think big. you. You see Wolf against Vegas. Maybe Markstrom Thursday. Maybe they wait until the home till they back on the road.
1: Yeah. You. Th- so you think once Markstrom comes back, obviously they have to send Wolf down because of his waiver eligibility, right? Probably. Yeah. 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 Well, there's still a lot of season left to go, so I don't think it's going to be the last we're going to see of the kid, regardless. So. Uh, it was a good chat, my friend. I hope you're doing well, and uh, we'll
2: talk very soon. Uh, okay, pal. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Georgie. Yes, sir. Take care, buddy. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 6-5 loss in Colorado with Brad up next. What's going on, Brad? Uh, not too
8: much, Pat. Having a good night. Good. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the game. I got just one quick comment here. If you're first defenseman goes down 15 seconds into the game. Isn't there any forward that can skate backwards that is not putting the puck in the net like Huberto and, and make him the sixth defenseman? Like
2: Brad, that makes no has, sense. That, 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 he's been, he's you, you're way better off going down to five defensemen.
8: Really? You just want to tire those guys out?
2: The, yeah, the guys who play the position – yeah. Yes. Uh,
8: no, no other forward ever played defenseman.
2: In the NHL on this team, no. Yes, none whatsoever. Okay. No, not one of their forwards has ever been a defenseman in the NHL. Oh, okay. Well, they, you know, they're on the
8: uh, uh, power play and at the point, so they know the ins and outs. So,
2: Brad, I we're gonna know, have to move I, on on this one. I, I, we'll have to agree to disagree on them putting Huberto on defense after uh, Tanev went down. Okay, good night, Pat. Okay, Brad. <laughs> See you, man. Uh, let's say hello to Robert following a six-five loss in Colorado. What's up, Robert? Hi, Patty.
9: Before I get on tonight, I want to apologize for that outburst last week. You don't need finish. to
2: apologize no, no. in the slightest, no, no. my friend. Let me
9: finish. I was in a bad mood, I phoned in, I bought people who can rebuttal, that's right. My heart burst, Patty, because you know what I think of you, it was for the the lack of the appetite I have for change, to pivot, which I haven't seen, and I still don't believe that we're going this way until I see with my eyes. The canyon reference wasn't about canyon, it was just the appetite for change. I, I, I want a complete change, Patty, even from the singer. It was just frustration. Uber, though you know, Patty, I'm going to say this. I thought I would never say this. It's not Hubert's fault here, Patty. You know what the fault is? not even tree living. It's Edwards. Edwards must be a, a smart businessman. He, might, he made a lot of money, but with hockey IQ, he's got enough. You know why, Patty? Because any jail manager who would have went to an ownership if so I'm going to sign a 30-year-old guy, 10, I've been for eight years, I would have fired him on the spot, he showed up the door. So it's not Uber's fault. It's Murray Edwards. Because he should have beat on that, that that side if he did not So now, you sign him, you're the owner, paying a man, regardless.
2: And, yeah, that's... Um, that's absolutely what... And, and, I, and I, I do think that... To that point, Robert, I, I do think that there was definitely some input from ownership in saying that, hey, we just traded Matthew Kachuk for this guy, we better sign him. I, I, I think that there absolutely was a little bit to that.
9: Okay, on to tonight. And I'm trying to be, because I don't want to bring other people because they're not here to defend themselves. But here's my take. We are leading the game for 15 minutes five three. After we lose we missed Tanaf. We had a goal in Colorado, couldn't stop a beach ball. Coaching staff had no idea. Instead of lock down the game in a five three game, they wanted to play whirly dirty. Patty uh, I'm trying to be nice because I don't want to bring people. When I hear these you know excuses, alibis justifications are for losers. Losers say those kind of things. We didn't lose a game because of, kind of Tana play. We're leading without Tana, 5-3, for 50 minutes. If you would have won, the Tana thing wouldn't even be brought up. Right. The flu? Anyway, I'm trying to be nice because you deserve that. I respect you very much. The other thing. And I'm trying, not trying to bring people in here. We play good against the good teams. Let me remind you, Patty, as well as you know, in an eighty two regular season game, Heinheim can beat Vegas. In one night anybody can beat each other. Like in football tonight, the Times beat the Dolphins. A mediocre team can beat a good team, especially in hockey. See, we don't we don't we don't come on here and say, Oh, we play the best hockey with the top teams. No. We have to say we play meteor hockey when we play with St. Louis, Columbus, those kind of teams. No, because you know the good teams like Vegas, Colorado, when they want to win five, six, seven games, they will win five, six, seven games because they're good. That's another excuse and alibi. Usually underdogs get up for the big teams, but it doesn't give them the pass because they play good with the good teams. That should not be the barometer that we play good against Dallas or Vegas. It's a right. complete absurd conversation, and it doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. And, Patty, I want to be, in, in, you involved, in the, because last time it was a constructive, I want you to say, if I'm wrong, Patty, I want you to tell me if I'm wrong, what I'm saying. I won't get offended like you don't. But I don't think I'm wrong on these points I'm saying.
2: I mean, on, on, I, I don't I don't really disagree on the front of, um, you know, they uh, were they up five three without Tanev. Yeah, it, it might have they might have gotten a little bagged in the final twenty mm-hmm. minutes of play, and that might have played into it. But also there was yeah. just some silly mental mistakes like that third right. goal. That third goal to make it six five should yeah. never have happened. That was just you know there there should have been absolutely a
9: breakdowns on the right, Patty. Yeah,
2: Coachy stuff. Yeah. Coaching staff, which I believe, Patty, they're going to be the sacrificial
9: lamb because I think they're over their head, all three of them. And a sign was tonight, Patty, You're 5-3, you're, you lock it down. But you know why they don't lock it down? They're not good enough team to lock it down. If it was on the other way around or Vegas, and that, they would have locked it down. We're not good enough to lock it down. Anyway, Patty, I know you got called. Again, again I go, Mr. Steinberg, I'm sorry what happened. I really, truly am. I didn't, uh, Water under I the never, bridge, buddy.
2: There's this I really. I never made that
9: call because I wasn't in a very good place with this team. And it all comes up, Patty. I want change. My appetite is changed. Everything. Arena. Uh, the guy who sings the anthem, Everything. Until I see it, I'm still not aware. I think we might see a few, but I still don't believe it. Because this franchise is never... Accept a change or even try to change. Thank you for taking my call, Patty, and have a good evening.
2: Robert, don't uh, – appreciate the call, pal. Don't uh, – we're all, we're all good after the last call. That's not a worry at all. Um, so that's 100% water under the bridge. That's A. B, um, I am curious to see to what extent – we're going to see change on this team. To what extent are they going to go down the change road? And to what extent will Craig Conroy be able to reshape this group? I guess we'll find out here in the coming weeks and months. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Let's say hello to Dave on the phone lines. What's up, Dave? Hold oh, no,
10: on, Mitch. I mean, I don't think this was a terrible game. and I you know, I think their strength is still their three and They're not... You know, I mean, obviously the backup's not as good as Markstrom, and obviously Wolf's, you know, the goalie of the future. But I mean, you know, I mean, this was Colorado they were playing. If this was San Jose, they probably would have won the game, even with five defensemen.
2: And you give the Avalanche credit for what they did, but Dave, they were also up five three after forty. They were after they were up five three after fifty minutes, um, and and they they couldn't lock it down. And and you know, I I. I think that they deserve the criticism that they're taking here because that would have been a really nice way to start off a difficult road trip, and now they got to go into Vegas and play the defending Stanley Cup champions. Now they're three games below five hundred. They didn't even get a point out of this game when leading five three after forty. And and I know the the Avalanche deserve lots of credit for coming back. They're a good team too, and and they get paid too. But yeah, I I, I honestly I don't think that the Flames uh, are are above. or or beyond reproach when it comes to criticism in this one, they let that one slip away. Like that Nathan McKinnon goal should never have happened to make it 6-5. And, you know, the first first two in the third period were not great bounces, but, you know, one of them came off another puck-watching shift uh, to make it 5-5, and then, yeah, just uh, a... Two really really bad reads to make it six five and then they couldn't tie it. That when you're in a five five game against the Avalanche starting off a road trip and playing with five D, you know y- you should you should be really and and I know it. This is easier said than done, but you got to be the other way around. You probably you can't be pinching like that in a five five game when you're minutes away from getting to extra time and instead yeah. Uyghur pinches and Hannafin doesn't. Um, Recognize that he's got McKinnon who's behind him and next thing you know, the last guy on the avalanche you want on a breakaway in the final five minutes has it in the back of your net.
10: Yeah, well it might have been a little different if you were watching it. I was just listening to it, so it's not you know, not quite the same thing. But I mean, I think the next two games they definitely gotta go with Dustin because, I mean the when they come back to cover Marks was probably gonna be in the net. So give him the chance in the next two games and see what he can do. And one thing I noticed weird this year uh, compared to you know all all the good teams are still good, and uh a lot of the mediocre teams other than uh, Columbus, San Jose and uh Chicago the vast majority they'd even tell are close to five hundred but so, i mean there's for my see there's only about three teams that are really out of it this year so far, yep and uh it, you know, if they worst came to worst and another defenseman went down, other, other than Backlund and Coleman, I mean, you know, they could probably play defense if they really, really have to. But
2: we have got, you know, Dave. We got to stop to it's, talk it's, it's, about it's, it's, forwards playing yeah. defense. We're not. No, it's, it's, we're not. It's, it's, we're, not we're not talking about that again. Yeah. Okay.
10: Forget about that. But uh, the main thing is, how in the world did uh, Winnipeg and Vancouver get so good over over one season?
2: Uh, it's a fair question. W- I mean, Winnipeg was good last year, too. Um, well, yeah, but they just barely made the playoffs. They did, but they got off to a really good start, if you remember, and were... They, they kind of... They they coughed up um, their... They, they coughed up their big edge uh, in the second half of the season and really the final quarter of the season. Winnipeg's got good players. they got an elite goalie. They've got some really good forwards. They've got an elite sco- goal scorer in Kyle Connor. They've got a really high-end defenseman in Josh Morrissey. Like, Winnipeg's a good team. Um, and they also traded away Pierre-Luc Dubois, made themselves a little deeper uh, at forward with that trade at the draft. So the Jets are a good team. Uh, Vancouver's been impressive. They they A couple of things. Their trade for Philip Roenick really helped them at last year's trade deadline. That really um, – got them a whole lot better on defense. They also went out and added Carson Soucy and Ian Cole. You throw in Zadorov, and they also have elite players. They got an elite goaltender who's healthy again in Thatcher Demko. He was not healthy for the vast majority of last season, and they've got Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes who are franchise players. So you add all those things together, that's how, that's how the Canucks were able to get that much better from one season to the next.
10: Yeah, cause better, unless I'm mistaken, they're leading the league in uh, gold four, I think, a real close that to That
2: sounds it. right to me.
10: Okay, I mean, The other thing I want to bring up with Calgary just quickly is, I mean, the way they're playing now, they're so vastly improved the last 10 games. I think if they can get, uh, you know, six out of ten, you know, six points and five game, like six out of ten points or 15 out of 20, they'd probably sneak in the playoffs of the. You know, if they play as hard as they can, they got that potential. But that's pretty what it's going to take—six out of ten or thirteen out of twenty,
2: probably. And and the other part of that is—is—and I'm not saying that that like I think that math is probably pretty accurate. I mean, the Western Conference is um, not the most diff. Like right now, uh, I think that you're on pace for the last playoff team to be at 88 points at last check. So it's not like you're talking about um, a great guns Western conference this year. Only problem problem's is the wrong word. Only caveat to that is that the flames trade away some of their UFAs and don't bring in players that are, are going to be able to help right now. Then all of a sudden that task, what you're talking about might be a little bit difficult and this is a group that you know they had a poor month of October good month of November and so far December has been so so at best so you know it's it's this is a group that's got a lot of decisions to make um, they're definitely at a crossroads here I don't think there's any doubt about that so could they make the playoffs Sure especially in a very mediocre western conference this year um, will they make the playoffs? I don't know, and it's going to be even more of a difficult task if they end up trading away these, these UFAs, right?
10: Okay, so who, who would they really trade away if they were going to?
2: Tanev, Hannafin, and Lindholm.
10: Yeah, little, So Tanev's the defenseman that got hurt, right? Yes. Why would they trade him? He's the best defenseman, almost.
2: Because he's a pending, unrestricted free agent.
10: Well, unless they sign him, he means.
2: Yeah, but... He's a 34 year old um, or 33 year old pending unrestricted free agent. Part of the conversation is: Would re-signing a player for a team that wants to be younger at that age make a ton of sense when you can get a haul for him at the trade deadline? Right? Yeah.
10: Well, or you know, or or, or what would be the minimum sign up for two two years? Probably that'd have to be it, right?
2: And I don't if, know if, if that would be something that Tanev would be up for. You know.
10: No, what I'm saying, but that's the most they could probably go. For, yeah, but
2: Tanev, right? probably, Dave, my point is, Tanev probably is looking for a longer deal than that.
10: Oh yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. Like, just like uh, Giordano is still playing in the league at a high level. Yes. And the former, I mean, not not quite as good as he was four years ago, but still. And that's funny where Tanev is at. I mean, he's not quite as good as Giordano either, but yeah. So I mean, I, don't, I still think they're gonna, you know. Close to speaking in the playoffs, and if not, well, you know, what can you do? This, you know, and what everybody almost seems to be improved this year. Even Chicago's improved this year over last year. Yeah, and that's probably just because of the the, the, the rookie they got there. He's walking away with that. Don't doubt about it. That, I got feeling that like guy's going to be at least a point of game by the end of the season.
2: Who's that? Uh, Chicago's rookie. Oh coach. yeah, Connor Bedard. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah probably anyway dave i appreciate the call yeah i mean
10: they'll be fine by the end of the season i think even if they have to trade those two players
2: we shall wait and thank see dave you. yeah thank you Mike. appreciate the call 403-240-4444 is your phone number um let's take uh, one more call before we go back inside the flames locker room our buddy anand is up next what's up anand
11: good evening buddy how are you
2: i'm okay how are you
11: yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, tough game tonight. I thought uh, they were getting in the groove to come back and win this game, especially going into the third period, leading with side three. I thought the script was uh, written well. They had a good start, like the uh, f- first period goal they scored first, and then second period they looked uh, very uh, good offensively. I uh, have one question, maybe a couple of questions tonight. Uh, so first of all, uh, how does So in the NHL, or let's say in the Flames, uh, what is the key purpose of the fourth line? Is it to uh, basically get minimized time and contribute uh, a lot, or what is the purpose of the fourth line?
2: Well, the purpose of the fourth line is to go out and give good minutes and, and impose on the other teams, third or fourth line. Like the, the, you know, some teams want a more physical fourth line. Some teams like, you know, a little bit more of a grinding type fourth line. Some teams just, you know, like a fourth line that can go out there and win their shifts and, and honestly at end that's what you're supposed to do as a fourth line in this league go out there and win your shifts you're you're playing less than the other three lines ahead of you and you're not talking about high end offensive talent on the fourth line and so a lot of times fourth lines are matched against other teams third pairs and other teams third and fourth lines so the, the purpose is to go out and win your shift um, when, when you're out there and you're just out there less than the three lines ahead of you on the depth chart
11: yeah so i was looking at that tonight's line so basically is it possible so maybe tomorrow let's say uh, we put uh, manjupane in the fourth line and then is it possible to bring in like coronato so he doesn't get scratched and put him in the second line with cadre and then dylan Dubé try him with uh, backland and coleman is that a possibility that we could see
2: Maybe. I mean, I I wouldn't – I mean, Manjapani scored a big goal. I didn't mind Manjapani's game tonight. Uh, I don't know if you're – and I know he struggled, don't get me wrong. Um, but, yeah. you know, maybe it's Pospisil who comes out of the lineup. He didn't see a lot of ice time in uh, the third period in this game. Maybe it's Razichka who comes out. He didn't see a lot of ice time in the third period. So, I don't know, man. Like, there's, there's a lot of different things that uh, the Flames could do. And maybe they do bring in Coronado. I, I could absolutely see that, especially on the second half of back-to-back with a ton of travel. they went. They, I, 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 could, I could see that for sure happening.
11: Yeah, especially because with him being recalled right now, especially with uh, Jacob Marsham out right now, I think they should use Coronet as much as possible just to see how he's doing and not just uh, scratch him like that. Uh, just to give him that opportunity to show us what he can offer, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean I, I think I think he adds a little offense to the group as well, but I, I don't get the sense that the coaching staff is is fully trusting of him in the two hundred foot game right now, and that's fully their right. So we'll see.
11: All right. And one final question. Uh it'll be probably De- dustin wool starting tomorrow with Vegas Golden Knights, most likely.
2: I would guess so, yeah.
11: All right, sounds good. All right, Pat, have a good night, and talk to you again tomorrow evening.
2: Thanks, Anand. Appreciate it, man. Uh, by the way, uh, Martin Pospisil and Adam Rizicka each played two shifts in the third period, and A.J. Greer, Greer played just the three shifts in the third period, so they went down to essentially nine forwards as Dubé got the bump up to play with Kadri and uh, Manjapani as this game went along in Colorado. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room. Flames fall 6-5 on the road against the Avalanche. Uh, they let this one slip away in the third period they led 5-3 after 40 they lose 6-5 in regulation let's hear from blake coleman who had a goal and an assist in this one tonight blake coleman's thoughts post game in denver
12: just wasn't good enough um I knew they'd push they're a good team you know building got loud and um, just too many mistakes and a game that uh you know, we should have put away it's another one that you know another lead going into a third that uh there's no business losing that game.
6: I know you guys, you know, obviously you're up to but that unlucky bounce on the fourth goal, I mean, did you feel like you had it in a good spot until that time?
12: We were fine. We um, get the power play, what was it halfway through the third, and you're in control of the game. And then, you know, maybe just too much respect for their their top guys. Um, maybe you should have kept pressing and sat back a little too much. And um, that's just, that one sucks.
6: How do, you, how do you reset? you got to do it quickly tomorrow night, obviously.
12: Yeah, um, well, it's, I guess the beauty of it is we can put this behind us quickly and uh, respond with a big game tomorrow. Um, another tough building, and um, you know, we got to find ways to come away with points on this road trip. And Should have started it off on the right foot here, and but instead we got to dig out of a hole and um, still, still can take two out of three on the road trip, and uh, we'd be happy with that.
2: So that is Blake Coleman postgame in Denver tonight as uh, the Flames fall 6-5 to the Colorado Avalanche. It's time to select tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Funny enough, we're going with Blake Coleman as tonight's player with heart. Thought he was great. Again, had a goal and an assist to begin with. Also, uh, five shots on net, seven shot attempts, four scoring chances on his stick, and two high-danger scoring chances on his stick. I thought he had a really good game and uh, thought, it was a really solid night for Blake Coleman. Uh, Blake Coleman is your player with heart tonight. And the player with heart brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time tonight. Let's check in with Rasmus Anderson, who spoke after a tough 6-5 loss to the Abs.
6: That's good. Just uh, take me through what you saw. Start with the third period and just uh where it got away from us.
13: Uh yeah, I don't know, it feels like every balance kinda of goes against us at the moment and uh you know, they get a another lucky balance feels like I'm it's one or two per game. That's a lucky balance it ends up in the back of our net and then obviously they get momentum and uh you know, it's five five with whatever four and a half left. Um, you know, you gotta find a way to get one point at least and um that's um a tough building to win in Uh, so you know when you have 5-5 with four and a half left uh, you got to find a way to get a point.
6: Until that 5-4 goal did you feel like you had your
13: yeah I mean I don't know I I felt like we gave him too much respect in the third and uh, you know they have obviously some good players but it's just uh, you know um, you just give him too much respect and you give him a little bit of extra time, and that's when they make plays, and that's when they score.
6: How did you guys feel like you managed on the back end? You lose Chris 15 seconds I into know. the game.
13: Yeah, it sucks to see Chris go down. Um, you know, you just, honestly, you're, you're, you're in the moment, so you just try to battle through, and, uh, you know, it's a tough building to play, and, and especially, you know, they're a good team, but, you know, with the altitude and that kind of stuff too, so it's a, it's a tough t- uh, building to play in, and um, I thought we I thought we did an okay job.
2: That is Rasmus Henderson post-game on the road in Colorado. It's time to look ahead. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. So tonight was game one of a three-game road trip. Next up is game two, and they don't have uh, long to wait. Tuesday night in Vegas against the Golden Knights. It's an 8 o'clock face-off on on Sportsnet 1, on television, and of course on Sportsnet 960, the fan on radio. Flames have actually played the Golden Knights pretty tough of late. Uh, They already have a 2-1 overtime win over the Golden Knights this season, dating back to November 27th. That kicked off their most recent six-game homestand was a really hard-fought win for Calgary. Overall, in their last seven head-to-head meetings with the Golden Knights, Flames are 4-2-1, dating back to February of 2022. So uh, see if the Flames can continue their recent solid play against the Golden Knights on Tuesday night. Uh, The road trip wraps up Thursday on the road in Minnesota. That is a 6 o'clock start Thursday night. Flames are back at home Saturday night, to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that is an eight o'clock face-off. So it goes Vegas on Tuesday, Minnesota on Thursday, back home for Tampa on Saturday. That's looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's go back to the text line at nine sixty-nine sixty. Um This says, uh, unfortunately, Pat, We've seen too many games like this as Flames fans. We'd all be lying if we didn't feel that coming. The vets on this team have never been able to nail down games in the third and shut down top players when it matters the most. This isn't just tonight, but years of this. It was chaos in the third. No structure, no composure, no puck management, and it's time to move on and develop a new core. Also to Robert, uh, 90% of the time you say what we're all thinking, so don't apologize too much. Uh, He had nothing to apologize to begin with. He was just, you know, he felt like he was maybe a little bit too hard on me Uh, or or too upset the last time he called, which was just under a week ago last Tuesday after the Minnesota game. It's Robert. He's a regular. He did not need to apologize, but uh, I'll accept the uh, apology anyway, Robert. Parsons writes, entertaining game. Too bad they couldn't hold it down, but their D looked spent by the end of it. Hope Tanev's okay. Let's remember Colorado has three superstar game changers on that team. Calgary has none. Mental mistakes near the end hurt him as well. On to Vegas. Um... This says, was it a mistake or maybe a little early for Conroy to become a GM? Only reason I say that is because, in my opinion, I feel like they could have gotten more for the players he's traded so far. Most people were expecting more when they traded Toffoli and Zadorov. I guess we'll see what he does with the rest of the UFAs. What should they expect to get in return for the top remaining UFAs? I personally don't have a problem with either the Toffoli or the Zadorov return. I thought the Zadorov return was fine. Not a home run, but. It was fine, and I also think that the uh, return on Toffoli was actually really, really strong. Um, I, I actually had um, really, to be honest with you, I think I, the Toffoli return for a guy who is looking long-term and hoping long-term for a pending UFA over 30 I actually thought they did quite well getting Sharon Govich and getting, um, and getting a third-round pick of that. So I'll disagree on that, but that's, that's just my opinion, and that's fair. Uh, we're all entitled to our own opinion on things like that. This from Dan and Milk River. Good to hear from you, Dan. It's been a while. Uh, Pat, so far, this is one of those seasons where it's important we're realistic in terms of what this team is. 20 some games in, do we know yet? Talking around the water cooler, the difference between the Flames and Oilers in both teams' terrible first quarter is we know what the Oilers are and what they should accomplish and thus should be able to play themselves out of it. Seems they're on the right track, but who knows? But what are the Flames? Tanem's a huge loss on and off the ice. Got to find the positives from scoring five on the abs because there are many. Thanks for a great post game, as always. That comes from Dan and Milk river just got me thinking you know one of the really important things that i don't think we've talked about enough how big was that goaltending change that the avalanche made after 40 minutes of play georgiev was fighting it and he looked rough Prozvetov comes in and shuts the door made a couple of big stops and i think that goaltending change doesn't get enough credit for how important it was in this game tonight as well as for the other part dan um yeah We still don't know what the Flames are, 100%, and that that is part of what has been so frustrating surrounding this Flames team this year. This from Wreck. Good evening, Pat. Unfortunate loss of Tanev. Obviously, Yeoman's effort by remaining the remaining five, save for some crazy punch decisions here and pinch decisions rather here and there. Overall, thought Vladar was strong. He deserved better. Went up five-three. They missed opportunities when the more skilled, balanced team had opportunities. They capitalized. Old story. Other than obvious underperformers. Underperformances performances by key players, the real head-scratcher has to be the Keystone Cops Three Stooges, Stooges Clown Show in their own end, also not new. Uh, this says uh, from Rusty, Pat, looking at the Flames, I see a potential large return on Markstrom with the need of goalies in the NHL. Carolina and New Jersey are great targets for him, and especially on a longer contract. Only concern would be Wolf be not getting as many starts by being in the NHL, uh, rather than being in the AHL. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... If they do go full rebuild mode, then, yeah, I think you could absolutely make a case for um, Markstrom being a guy that you could think about trading. Now, Markstrom's got the full no move, so he's got full control on that. But I think it's something that, that is not completely out of the question if that's the direction the Flames decide to go. This from Brad. Losing Tanev so early in the game really hurt the entire bench, but the defensemen stepped up and played like Warriors. Just seemed like by the end, they ran out of gas and gave Colorado a bit too much breathing room that allowed them to come back. They'll need to tighten things up in their own zone and take fewer penalties if they want a chance against a tough Vegas team tomorrow. On the bright side, Zeri's goal shows the confidence he's playing with now. He'll learn from his mistakes like that giveaway in the third, but he's been a real positive in another uh, otherwise mediocre season so far. Yeah, Zari's been really, really strong and continues to be a very, very uh, positive part of this flame storyline this season. Uh, Adrian in Lethbridge says, I thought Pospisil looked good in his few shifts. He drove the puck hard to the net and had a couple of hits. Any reason he only played five-ish minutes? I don't know. I, I didn't think... Pospisil was was overly poor myself. Um, he definitely had a couple of times when he did, to your point, drive the net. And um, the the only thing that I will say is that he did spend a little bit too much time in his own zone, which was definitely noticeable. There was a couple of two there. There were too many times where he and his line found themselves running around in their own zone, that would be the downside to Pospisil's night and probably why he got sat down for a very limited workload in the third period. Um, This from Vince. Pat, 5-3 up in the third. They have a power play and could have put the game to rest. The power play is horrible, letting them down. Yeah, that's a very good point. They had a third period power play, didn't get anything on it, and uh, shortly thereafter, the Avalanche started their comeback. It's a very good point by Vince. Uh, This says, Pat, the Avalanche, this from Mike, the Avalanche flamed the flames tonight. The team finally managed to hold a lead going into the third, but lost by a comeback and got the taste of their own medicine. Vladar will probably get some heat for allowing six, but I thought he was the best goalie on the ice tonight. Definitely felt like The team hung him out to dry. Lots of puck watching. Wide open guys in the slot. Lots of odd man rushes and just too many dangerous chances overall. Team did some good things tonight, but it does feel like a bit of a lost opportunity. All things considered. Blair and Airdrie says, here's my view on the Flames so far, they play scared if they're losing or facing top teams they play like, well, we've got nothing to lose so they play balls out and can find a win but when they have the lead, you can just hear the voices in their heads repeating, don't screw up don't screw up, and inevitably they screw up. It's frustrating to watch they are good players, no doubt, just scared it was pretty clear at 5-4, they were not getting the W. Seb from McKenzie says, defeat snatched from the jaws of victory, heartbreaking loss after a strong 40 and and having the lead with under 11 minutes to go. Zeri's a gift. Kadri was feisty. But Lindholm and Huberdeau were a wall. Mid-team keeps on middling. Uh, that uh, hey, I think that's fair. Lindholm, Huberdeau, nowhere near impactful enough in this game. Zeri was great. Kadri was great. Mangepani had a strong game. Defense really stepped up in the absence of... of Tanev, but yeah, probably too many passengers and and too many important passengers in this game. Great stuff on the text line as always at 960 960. Appreciated. We got time for some more phone calls as well. It's your Flames talk post game show following a 6-5 loss in Colorado. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's go back to the phone lines and say <clears throat> hello to Cody. What's up, Cody? Hey man, how are you doing today? Good. How are you?
14: Oh, not too bad. Well, first off, I'm just going to say I don't think it's that bad that we need to go to Huberto on defense yet. But, um, <laughs> Fair. Um, Fair. I'll, I'll, I'll move to the, my, my next point. Hey, um, how much longer do you think Markstrom's out for? Is there like a – I missed the perp point. There, somebody said, is it, is it like a week or is it a little while? Or
2: I, I think – I don't believe he's on the trip right now, but there, there's a potential from what I understand that he could rejoin them at some point on this trip. Um, my guess is they go to Wolf against Vegas on Tuesday night, tomorrow night. And and I, th- there's a chance, I think, that maybe Markstrom could play in Minnesota. We'll see how the Vegas game goes. And, and definitely a possibility that if it's not there, that he'd be ready to go after the, um, after the road trip comes to an end. So I, I don't, from what I understand, I don't think he's too far away.
14: Here's my thought based on that. I was looking at the cap friendly and I I look at Dan Vladar as like a very uh, serviceable, tradable goalie at 2.2. And I look at the roster and we've got like so many good players that are like very, very good players but they're missing finishing. Like they, a sniper is needed. So do you think that Vladar given uh, Markson coming back healthy and Wolf being who he is, hopefully, I guess that's kind of an asterisk at this point. Is that a contract you can move and bring back a sniper or something like that can, that can fit into the, to, to the forward group and maybe uh, change things up a little bit to give Cubrio a boost or
2: something? Well, yes and no. I think it's a contract that you can move. I just don't think it's the type of contract that you're going to get, you know, that type of difference maker for. I think you're probably looking at more of a mid-round draft pick right now for Vladar as opposed to an impact maker on the team. And I look, I, I still think that there is potential with Vladar. I still think that there is uh, maybe some un- un- untapped part of him that we could, you know, could see See, I, I still think skill wise, ability wise, he's got he's got some potential higher end chops than just being a number two. But right now, he is a number two, and his consistency is as such that he's a number two. So I don't think you're getting an impact maker for him. Do I think it's a movable well, contract? I maybe, yes.
14: I thought maybe like just I mean, add yeah, Sweetener or something like that. Like I mean, I, I look at the guys, and I got up North and Edmonton, they would love to have a guy like Bedard in it, right? Like what? what? But like, obviously that's not a trade you make with them so to speak the easy is obviously you got a market for somebody like that anyways also the other point i wanted to make is that uh, there's no the excuse that the the five defensemen has got to stop like the game of hockey is adversity and the team that steps up during the game is and faces adversity is going to win so you know that's going to happen you're going to drop down you're going to lose players i mean you can't just like i mean as much as it's a it's a thing it's you can't give that an excuse. I mean, you got to pay Yeah,
2: and I, I don't. Premium. I don't think anybody on the Flames is using it as an excuse. Uh, no, maybe
14: in, the, in The calls I've listened to over the time, and so to speak, I've heard it quite a bit. And maybe even you yourself just been using. You know, that that five oh losing ten losing. I guess no what I, mean, I would yeah, say. What I would say hard. is
2: that it it. Is it an excuse? No, because you're bang on that. That's part of hockey. Sometimes you got to battle through adversity. And five defensemen or six defensemen, they needed to lock down that game in the third period and didn't. And and so, but is is it an excuse? No. Is it completely irrelevant? No. I still thought it was a factor. But yeah, I I I, I do think that um, whether there were five or six defensemen, they still coughed this one up. So no, I I don't think it's an excuse as to why they lost. I just also think it played a part in the game. Awesome, man. Well, that's uh thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with
14: me. I just uh, I enjoyed listening to your podcast. You you guys I'm honestly an Oilers fan, but you guys' radio is better, so I listen to you guys all the time.
2: <laughs> well, uh I appreciate the call. That's awesome, Cody. Uh pretty good yeah. call for an Oilers fan.
14: <laughs> hey, well, come on now. You
2: guys, you're you pretty hard on us. You got to give me some credit there. No, you did. That, that was good. I appreciate it, Cody. You have yourself oh, a great oh, – I'm just giving you a hard time. I appreciate the call, yeah, man. No, it's all good. You guys, have, you guys have a good night. You too. Phone lines still going on a Monday night. Flames fall 6-5 to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, next up, let's say hello to Eugenio. What's going on, Eugenio? Hey, Pat. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm not too bad. I won't bring up the time I've hit, though. So. <laughs> we we've been we've been messaging on instagram um we see the Tanav hit a little bit differently we'll agree to disagree on that
15: uh before i get onto the flames did you see uh my boy uh tommy devito tonight
2: i did i did see the giants
15: do that oh man uh we're winning useless games but it's still fun to,
2: i didn't uh, know watch you were them. i didn't know you were a fan of the g-man man i'm a big fan Really big fan, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, Just getting on the flames, I just got a question
15: for you. I'm not too happy with some of the decision-making of Huska uh, that's going on a little bit. Now, like, I thought Coronado played a really good game on Saturday. Why are we benching him tonight? Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, I thought he played really well playing with Caudry, and he created some chances. Sure, he's not the best player in our own zone, but he's a kid. Like, they have to learn. And he goes and benches him tonight. And then in the third period tonight, I thought Pops Papa played a great game and he's barely seen on the ice. And he's done this a few times. And I, I, I don't know what point he's trying to play across here, but I think it's the wrong message. And again, um the Coronado thing just makes no sense to me. Like he played really I thought he played great really good on Saturday and there he is not in the lineup tonight.
2: So I guess there's a couple, so there's two things there. First of all, I'll address the Pospisil thing first. I, I do think Pospisil struggled a little bit in his own zone tonight, um, so I think that might have been part of why you, you saw him sat down in the third period, And and you know, in a lot of games this year, Ryan Huska has shortened his bench at forward and gone down to nine or ten forwards, and uh, we saw that again tonight. And so, what what he does, he kind of goes with the guys uh, he feels are going most, and then sits down guys who he feels aren't going. We saw Huberto sat down one game. mangipani got like one shift in a third period one game. So we've definitely seen that. And and it's something that just is is part of Ryan Huska's coaching MO so far. As for the other one, I'm going to play devil's advocate on it because I actually agree with you. I would have liked to see Coronado in the lineup tonight as well. I think he should have been in the lineup. Um, the, the reason why I believe they took him out is because they felt like there were a couple of uh, defensiveness mistakes and and my my guess is with those defensive mistakes um my guess is they still don't feel like as a coaching staff they can fully trust him and that's kind of my guess as to why he came out plus Pospisil who didn't play on on Saturday came back into the lineup and I think there's a little bit of a you know, hierarchy thing going on where Coronado is the young player who has less experience than Rizicka or Dubay or Greer or Pospisil or whoever, so kind of the school of hard knocks, and that's why he got the, uh, he got the healthy scratch treatment. That is, again... That's just me playing devil's advocate because I actually agree. I would have really liked to see him in this game. I thought he, uh, I thought that he had a decent game, not perfect, but a decent game on Saturday, and I think that his scoring ability and I think that his shot could be real assets for a team that have trouble scoring and especially have trouble on the power play. So I would have had Coronado in. That's why I think Ryan Husker and the coaching staff didn't have him in.
15: Did you see that one chance Coronado had on Saturday? They, it was literally from nothing. Just I know. I know. To right off he the post. Right off the post. And it's just like, there's not many guys on our team that can do that.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's um, where I am too, man. That's why I say, like, I, I, um, I would have had him in the lineup tonight.
15: And the other point I just wanted to bring across. So, right now, like, Caudry's been unbelievable the past – I would say he, he he was he was he struggled a bit the first five games of the year, but since that five game mark when he started playing, then with Zari and Pop, still, I think he's been a, probably our best forward, or at least our most consistent
2: forward. I, I think since but, November first, he has yeah. been their best forward, no questions asked.
15: Oh, sorry, I said five games. I meant to say like ten games. But yeah, regardless. it was it was
2: literally um, the the last game of the losing streak was the game that Zari the six game losing skid. Um, that was the game that Zari debuted in and from and that was november 1st and from that point on i think kadri's been their best skater best forward anyway and and really you know zary's been good Pospisil's had moments um but i think kadri's been the guy and and for me hasn't been super close honestly
15: yeah i agree with you fully and i think outside of him and then coleman i think coleman's been really good it's been sorry i should have
2: had coleman in there as well uh coleman would be kind of number two he's been great yeah, he has. And But
15: outside those guys, it's kind of been like the young guys that have been carrying us. And my point that I'm trying to say is so with Huberto, I fully agree with you. I heard you before. I think he's given it all every game. Like, he is trying hard. He gives it all. I don't know if he's snake bitten. I don't know if he's lacking confidence. Like, he is creating a lot of chances. And it seems like those chances that he does create, we just can't put the puck in the net. So he doesn't get the assist. But. At the same time, he's making ten mil and fifteen points in twenty eight games is not going to cut it either way. Either if you're trying hard or not, we do need more from him. The guy, though, that I'm most disappointed with is Lindholm. I don't know if he's checked out, but this is not the same Lindholm that we saw two years ago with Johnny and Chucky. Like two years ago, he was a superstar, like literally a top five centerman in the NHL. And you know, it's kind of it's kind of weird to see this because he's a UFA and he wants that big payday. But who's going to give him that big payday if he's playing like this? Because right now, like to me, he's honestly—I won't say our worst center, but he's—he's he's been behind Kadri and Backlund, that's for sure. And I don't know—is he checked out? Does he want out? Like he—he is just not the same Lindholm. Even last year, he was way better than he is this year.
2: I agree, and I—I I, I think. There's been a little bit of lack of chemistry, which hasn't helped. And and that's partly on him. But, you know, two years ago, he had obviously instant chemistry with Kachuk and Gaudreau. Last year, he and Toffoli had a lot of chemistry with one another. So there, there hasn't been like a, a fit for Elias Lindholm so far this season. And I don't want to use the term checked out, but... I do wonder if the contract situation, I do wonder if the uncertainty, and I do wonder if the, you know, almost inevitability that he's going to be elsewhere might be playing a part in what we're seeing right now too. Yeah,
15: well, we'll definitely talk more in the next couple of weeks and months, but I think it's time, and you know you know me, I always like to win, but I think it's time. I won't say a full rebuild, but I think it's time for a revamp of this roster. I think, uh well, I don't think we're going to win anything with this with this core that we have right now, and obviously we're going to have Huberto and Cadre here long term. But I think try to get some young guys around them, get some draft picks. I think it's the way to go. We're we're not in the same league as Vegas or Colorado or any of these teams, so I think it's
1: as much as I hate
15: to say it. I think you know Tanev and Lindholm. is the one guy, though. I'd still I'm still tempted that I'd re-sign if we could. He's and I get the it. One guy, I I feel he's young enough that. Even if we do have one or two down years, he'll still be good down the road when maybe we start getting better again. But the other guys like Canav and Lindholm, I'm ready to cut the cut the bait with the them. The only
2: the only cause I in theory I agree on Hannifin. The only the only thing that I, I keep going back to is do, will you have to pay a premium to keep Hannafin in Calgary in that will you have to go an extra year and will you have to go an extra 500 k or million to keep him here as opposed to what he might take if he went to unrestricted free agency and signed south the border. Yeah, Taking that into true. account and the potential haul you could get for him in a trade, I just – I still yeah. think that the opportunity to trade Hannafin if he is not, you know, 100% I want to stay in Calgary or I'll stay, but you got to, you know, sweeten it or, or or I'll stay. Yes, but I need a premium. If, if you're going to get a first round pick and a really good young player for him, I think you have to seriously consider it, even knowing the yeah, uh, age wise talent-wise, skating-wise, all that type of stuff, I think there's plenty of reason to have the conversation about keeping them.
15: Yeah. Okay, Pat. We'll definitely keep in touch here. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk soon, man. Okay, Eugenio. Appreciate it. Okay, man. Have a good night, buddy.
2: You too. Two more calls tonight. Travis. What's up, Trav? Hey, Pat. What's up? Um, You are reading a text there about
16: um, we don't quite know what this team is. I think we know exactly what this team is, my friend. It seems a fringe playoff team that, when they work well, they they can probably win some games. They don't have a sniper. They don't have elite talent. They don't really even have a first line. Um, that's exactly what this team is. <laughs> like I like I don't know how we could say we don't know what they are. Only thing that I only thing, thing that I would years. say
2: to that what what I mean by it is I I don't know what the identity of this team is that's more where I'm coming at it from because to your point yeah i think that we know that they are a um right now they're kind of an average team that sometimes looks good and sometimes doesn't um they're a team struggling with consistency as we've talked about many times on this uh on this show Middle of the road teams struggle with consistency. Middle of the road teams are the infuriating ones that look great one night and look completely different the other. So, in that respect, I agree with you. It's more I'm more talking about um, I don't know what the identity of this team is, and they're 28 games into the season. So that's that would be that that would be more where I was coming at it from.
16: Yeah, no, fair enough. A um, couple other things here. Um, yeah, Huberto's not going to put the points up when you have a power play is- atrocious as, as the flames power play is like it's horrible just it's not even i, mean, I don't even can't even understand it. i mean
2: it's clicking at around 10 percent right now it's
16: yeah like, it ain't good and t- until that power play starts clicking at a different pace no one's going to be putting up real high-end points like, like that's a big part of the nhl at this at this day and age mm-hmm. you, you need your power play to click and when your power play clicks your top guys are usually on it, and your top guys are usually getting points. So, until that happens, everyone's going to be under underachieving in the points.
2: points and uh, department, is it in my at opinion. any point going to happen? I mean, again, I don't think so. They're 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 a team like the the best power plays in the NHL have you know elite players on it elite finishers on it um and the flames that's not something that they're blessed with right now and so in in that respect i mean should it be better than 10 percent yes no question um it should be it should be able to get on the board more than one out of every 10 times that they go out there but how much how much better should it be i don't know um as of right now, they are down to 11.6% after going 0 for 2 tonight. They are the 24th ranked power play in the NHL at that number. Uh, No, they're lower than that, I think. Um, They're the 28th ranked power play um, by percentage. But again, you take a look at the the top power plays in the NHL. New Jersey, yep, they've got elite players. They've got Jack Hughes and, and others. And the Rangers have got Adam Fox. And they've got a power play specialist in Chris Kreider. Tampa Bay, well, we know what they've got. Edmonton's fourth, we know what they've got. And Vancouver's fifth. And we know the type of elite talent they have. If you have elite talent, your power play's usually pretty good. When you don't, it's a little bit more difficult
16: yeah i still think he could be better than i agree
2: (laughs) they can be better than 28th overall they can be better than 11.6 percent. i agree with that it's just do they're 28th right now can they get themselves to the high 20s maybe are they going to get themselves into the high like into into the top 10 probably not uh
16: yeah no fair enough and like People are all over Huberto, and I can understand why he's a $10.5 million player, but no offense to Backman and Coleman, these guys aren't snipers. (laughs) Like, these guys are at at their high-end 20 goal scorers. They're not snipers. So, um, like, you you want an elite finishing, which we don't have, obviously. Like, Huberto's a setup, man. And, yeah, he hasn't played perfect either, but but no offense to those guys. They're just not – they're not – high end goal scores. So like, what do you expect? I don't know. It's, it's like, I just don't get it. It's, I do um, think
2: part of, I do think part of why Huberto has struggled. I, I do think it is fair to say that the, um there have been some uh definite chemistry issues trying to find guys who can fit with him. I think that's definitely been part of it. At the same time, I think that he has, I I, I think he's, really trying to reinvent himself as a player so far that reinvention hasn't been fully successful
16: and lindon yeah he's having a tough season here um this is kind of predictable though we've talked about this before you come into the season with a contract over your head uh, there's a lot of different pressures there and you know like you could almost see it coming from a mile away somewhat no
2: i don't know i mean johnny gaudreau had the same situation he put up 115 points
16: yeah and he hasn't not too much this season that doesn't (laughs) that that, that
2: doesn't that is completely irrelevant to what i just said for sure
16: for sure it defeats that point guarantee but um yeah and, and then just maybe one quick one and i'll let you go here um I, I don't see what the point of waiting any longer. This team right now has a the biggest opportunity The point I've of waiting is to time.
2: make sure that you get the best return. That's the only point of waiting.
16: yeah, yeah, but just over the next couple seasons, this team could really set itself up in a whole different direction.
2: Yeah, but when you I know, say waiting, I mean like waiting until twenty twenty four not waiting like that they've got a they've got a trade deadline that actually is a hard deadline. Yeah. They will trade these guys if they're not signed. Yeah.
16: Just my point to this is, yeah, we have UFAs this year. We have some people. We don't have a lot of people lo- locked up long term, so we have some people who could probably move next year as well. There's a lot of desirable pieces on this team that other teams would love. And I just think the quicker you move up these pieces now, the quicker we're going to suck. And I'm not one to tank typically, but I just think the opportunity right now, instead of being a middling team, is to move out these assets sooner and later and probably lose a couple more games than being in the middle of the pack. And uh, I, I'd be, I'd like to get closer to the first overall pick than, than to the 15th pick. And I think the way you do that is just start moving guys out. Um, you know, w- we brought in govic for the Toffoli trade. I love that trade so far. I think Shergovic, um, you know, he's showing he's a pretty good two-way player and he's showing some offensive side to him. And, and it just shows he got a little bit younger, a little bit cheaper. You got a pick. And I think we just need a lot more moves like that to, to move this team forward. And I don't think losing games right now is a bad thing for the Flames. I think the more games we lose, it's actually better for this franchise long term than than winning one, losing one, winning two, losing two. I'd rather lose a few more than winning at this point. And it's tough to say as a fan because you never want to lose, but I just think that's what's best for this franchise. This franchise needs a lot of change, and I think this is where it would start. And the sooner we do it, I think it's just better for everyone, to be honest. Thanks, Pat.
2: All right, Trev. Be well. We'll talk soon, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, our last call tonight, let's say hello to Bryce. What's going on, Bryce? Oh, doing all right. How are you? I'm okay, man.
17: Yeah, um, the question that hit for with Tana, I still think <laughs> he should have got like, like, like you said, two two minutes for it. just just how it just evolved like fifteen minutes in. And then... Yeah,
2: and I mean, could it have been a two-minute minor, maybe? But even that, and 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 again, I'm not I'm not trying to be an anti-Flames guy. I'm a huge Chris Tana fan. I just thought it was a bang bang play that I don't know. I don't know what Colton does to avoid that, at least the way I've seen it, and, and maybe mm-hmm. I haven't seen enough angles or I haven't seen the right angle. Just the way that I've seen it is that Tanev's going in, trying to win a puck battle, and and he tries to shield the puck. Not saying that he put himself in a vulnerable situation. I don't, I don't think that at all, but he tries to shield the puck. Colton was in a spot where he was already engaged in the forecheck and was trying to use his body to win a puck battle and just the way that Tanev was protecting the puck, a last-minute turn, it, it kind of ended up being the the hit that it was. I, I don't think it was – I definitely don't think there was any intent to injure. So at worst, in, at least for me, it looked like a two-minute penalty – and so I and and I guess that would have been borderline. It wasn't I feel awful that Tanev got hurt. You never like to see that. I just I just don't know what else Colton could have done on that play and I don't know where the um you know what I don't know where the penalty would be other than maybe you could give him two minutes because it was a, a hard play on the boards. I just don't think it could have been or should have been much more than that.
17: Yeah, and then two, then explained two it is like then the Flames did get get the penalty right on that same play. Couldn't yeah, it there's out. a little.
2: Yeah. I, I get being frustrated about you probably didn't need to give yeah. Hannafin the penalty. I can if you're not gonna give the penalty the colt not a two minute there, you probably don't need to give Hannafin the penalty. I I, I can agree with that.
17: Yeah, that that was a little strange. But I've seen lots of strange stuff. It's like even even Derek Wills even said it was like real strange. Like, and a lot of that, like, why why are they against the flames? <laughs> like Casey mentioned.
2: Well, he was just yeah. joking. <laughs>
17: Seems that way, but that's weird. But And then, too, did you hear that? Did you check that out about the owner getting involved quite a bit more than?
2: I, I have others? not, no.
17: Okay. Yeah, I, I did see it, but it hasn't been up lately. But um, and then the other question: there was another, you know, the, uh, Trevor Zegrass from Anaheim. Yeah, would, it, they're talking about training him because they're going to have um, Vantini, whatever his name is. Um, oh, uh, Celebrini. Yeah. Yeah, and. And he might be the odd man out, and he's young, and he's like twenty-four. Well, they
2: got like they got to get they got to get the first overall pick first.
17: Yeah, so I, they were a bit talking about that. I saw that, and I was like, would what would I wouldn't want to trade any draft picks? No, but would would it would be a hard one because two and two. When you look at what would they want, Lindholm or Panafin, and then if you got him, and then somebody else like I I. Don't know. I
2: I'm not sure how I feel yet about Zegris and what he is as a player. Like, there's an absolute boatload of skill there. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. And, and there's no denying that. But I don't yeah. know, like, is that ever going to be a number one center in the NHL? Skill is off the charts. Uh, I don't – I'm not even talking – I know there's a lot of people who don't like some of the off-ice things that uh, he's been involved with. I'm not – I don't really – That that's kind of immaterial to me. Um, mm-hmm. But – is, is he is he a really fun, skilled, kind of 65-point guy? Or is he a number one center who can get you 80-85? Mm-hmm. I don't know yet, but mm-hmm. I think there's a chance it might be option two. So I'm not saying that they... Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that if Anaheim decides to make a move there, and who knows? Um, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that they shouldn't be interested or anything like that. I just think that when being interested in mm-hmm. a player like that you have to also be concerned about what the actual like what what type of player are you are you looking at and mm-hmm. as such just, if you're making a big yeah. trade like how would you value that asset
17: mm-hmm. i just thought cuz he was he was a center and he's a bit younger and and if you put him in a like the kid line or something say with connor zary and maybe Again
2: um, and, and, and again, spotter. Bryce. I don't think that they're moving yeah. them in no, season. No, no, I know. I just—it
17: was just a thought. Like, if what would that ever look like? But it, that would be hard to pull off because they would want probably graphics And but it was—it was, it was kind of—it was interesting just going through that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. and again, you can't really. If you're Anaheim, you can't be making plans for. Um, the number one overall pick until you no. get the number one overall pick, right?
17: Yes, that's for sure. And then, and then there was just one other thing that, that tonight's game it was. A, I know um, I, that power play, like we're all talking about. I don't know. Is it? Is it? Is it just the makeup of the team, or is that? Is that? Is that a bit of a coaching?
2: I think it's probably a combination of both. I think that mm-hmm. the, the the fact that they don't have anybody truly elite on the power play plays a part in it but i also think that yeah there, there's some i think that you know mark savard's got to own some of what we've seen so far um i think the players need to own some of it because it's been you know a very stagnant looking power play yeah. far more often than not and i also think that they're a you know a power play unit lacking high end talent. Right. So yeah. I think that that also plays into it.
17: Mm. I just thought that it was just seems like it's always been an issue since he got there. Like the bird. I don't know. I don't know. If, like, do you need a, Like a, uh, like guy would played defense before to really get these guys. To, uh, I don't know. Coaching them. Is, I don't, it, I, don't is know, is Bryce. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. i but anyway, you take care and hope you still can figure out that thing about
2: still on it, buddy. I'm still on it.
17: <laughs> I was just wondering. I was trying to send an email. Is there any way, just so you have my address, if you ever decide wanting to know if you forgot something?
2: Uh, yes, I do. I do have. Uh, I do have email. Are you on? Are you on like um, any social media? Are you on Twitter? Yeah. Or are you on?
17: Yeah, no, Facebook.
2: Uh, and, uh, Facebook is weird. I don't hey, on like yeah,
5: Twitter Facebook. too,
17: actually.
2: Yeah. Fire me yeah. a fire me a DM on or a, just fire me a message on uh, like an uh, just a response a reply on Twitter, and then okay. uh, then we can we can figure it out from there. Okay. Okay, Bryce.
17: You take care and
2: have a good night. You and too, and you, brother. Like I said,
17: you're always the best.
2: <laughs> good stuff as always, Bryce. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. And that will do it on the phone lines this evening. Uh, Tough loss for the Flames tonight. They, Plain and simple, they needed to lock that one down. Plain and simple, you're up 5-3 after 40. You're up 5-3 after 50. You got to win. And not only did they not win in regulation, they didn't even get a single point out of it. That's failure. It's a big-time fail game, and now they're three games below 500. and now they've got Vegas on Tuesday. It's like, oh, boy. That that could have been a really nice win for the Flames, and instead it uh, goes the way that it did. It's time for the final summary. Uh, Buckle up. It's a long one. Uh, Flames open the scoring at 13.46 of the first period. Nazem Kadri, who had a really strong game tonight, made it 1-0, Flames. Kadri picks up his seventh of the year from Blake Coleman at 13.46. Avalanche equalize at 18.14. Tomas Tatar picks up his first of the season. Tatar from Ross Colton and Frederick Olofsson at 18.14, and it was 1-1 after 20. Avalanche take their first lead at 143 of the second period. Power play goal from Kale McCarr, his eighth of the year from Miko Ranton and Nathan McKinnon, and it was 2-1 Avalanche. But the Flames equalized less than four minutes later when Andrew Mangiapane snaps a nine-game goal this route with a nice finish on a one-timer. Mangiapane, sixth of the year from Kadri and Dennis Gilbert at 5:14. We had a 2-2 tie. Later on in the second period, Flames regain the lead. Blake Coleman puts the puck on net, beats Alexander Georgiev to make it 3-2 Flames. Coleman's team leading eighth of the season from Michael Backlund and Gilbert at 13:21. But 96 seconds later, Avalanche tie. Ben Myers scores his first of the season. Myers from Andrew Cogliano and Sam Malinsky at 14:57. We had a 3-3 tie, but less than two minutes later, Flames go back out in front. Good hand-eye coordination, from Connor Zary in tight, he bats a puck out of midair to give the Flames their lead back. Zary picks up his sixth of the year from Mackenzie Wieger at 16-19. And a little more than two minutes later, when the Flames and Avalanche are playing four-on-four, four, Yegor Sharangovich makes it 5-3 Flames. Sharangovich picks up his seventh of the year from Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson at 18:34 For Hannafin, his 200th career NHL point and it was 5-3 Calgary after 40 minutes of play. To the third period we go. Flames seemed to be in good shape. It was still 5-3 after 50 minutes, and then things fell apart in the final half of the third period, starting with a, just a really bad bounce. So Josh Manson takes a shot from the point. He breaks his stick. As such, the puck takes a weird pinball trajectory and eventually goes to the side of the net where Ross Colton was. Dan Vladar didn't know where the puck was going and uh, so he isn't in the right position. Not his fault, but Ross Colton on the right side of the net is able to put it in to make it 5-4 to get the building right back in it. Colton picks up his eighth of the year from Manson and Bowen Byram at 11-20. Then just over two minutes later, tie game. Miko Rantanen snaps a nine game goal drought with his 13th of the season. Rantanen from Valerie Nechushkin and Kale McCarr at 13:31. We had a 5-5 tie. Then less than two minutes after that, bad pinch from Mackenzie Wieger. Not quick enough recognition from, Nathan, uh, from Noah Hannafin. And Nathan McKinnon busts in on a breakaway, rips it past Dan Vladar to make it 6-5 Colorado. McKinnon's 12th of the year from Nechushkin and Rantanen at 15-30 to make it 6-5. And that would end up being your final score. Final shots, 37-34 in favor of the Avalanche. Calgary 0 for 2 on the power play. Avalanche go 1 for 4 with the man advantage this evening. Your three stars in the building number 3, Nazem Kadri, number 2, Miko Rantanen, and number 1, Nathan McKinnon. With the loss, Flames fall to 11-14-3. and three. They're back in action uh, tomorrow, Tuesday night, on the road against the Vegas Golden Knights. And Colorado improves to 17-9-2. and two. They're back in action Wednesday at home to Buffalo. That's your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up for the Flames, as I mentioned, Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday night. It is an 8 o'clock face-off, which means we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Monday or Tuesday or whenever you're listening. Have a great rest of your week. Final score from Denver tonight, tough one for the Flames. They fall 6-5 to the Avalanche. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 9 1960, The Fan.